0: The series is People of Rest. I told you last week there was this other series we did. It was called Breathing Room. And this was the last time that we did a series on rest. This was like six, seven years ago. Some Momentum OGs might remember this series. And the series was a hit. Like six years ago, people were just as busy as they are now, and so we started talking. We Instead of saying margin, we said, you need breathing room, and, and then we looked at Sabbath and rest and all these promises in the Bible about what God will do in your life when you rest and putting your first relationships first and letting everything fall in. After that, it was a great, ser- I mean, the series moved people, and there was this video that would play right before it. It was so good and make you feel like, oh, I am too busy, and I do need God, and all this stuff would happen because of that. And then I had this picture of the back of my car and it was all full of junk and we all laughed and people were like changing and all this stuff. And the series was going great until we got to the very end. And when we finished Breathing Room, I cannot tell you how many volunteers from Momentum Ministries we had quit and how many people were like, good point, Matt. I don't think I'm going to do my community group anymore, and I remember going, "That's not what we're. That's not what that was for." And I'm not kidding. The phone would ring. Somebody tap me on the shoulder, and they'd be like, "Can we talk after service?" I'm like, "No, no, I'm not talking to you because I know what you're about to tell me." And so I've thought about that and we're revisiting it now. We're talking about how to be people of rest in a world marked by exhaustion. And as I've gotten older and I've gotten more mature in this ministry game, I realized the reason we had that happen last time we did this is people did not get what it is that we're talking about right here, right now, today. If I could say one message from this series was probably the most important one to get if you truly want to become a person of rest in a world marked by exhaustion, I would tell you It is, in fact, this week, okay? We got very little time, a big old message with a lot to cover, so I'm going to start really, really quick. I'm going to give you a theological sentence that's loaded. We're going to unpack the sentence together, and then I promise you, things are going to get really, really practical from this point forward. So here's your big sentence. You don't get life in Jesus without living the life of Jesus, You don't get life in Jesus without living the life of Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. We know Jesus has all kinds of promise about rest and about anxiety and about replenishment. I mean, Luke, could you go to the Matthew 11 that we've been looking at in this series? Out of Jesus' own mouth, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. But here's the deal. For this promise, and all the other promises of Jesus about fruit, and wholeness, and goodness, and life, and and wellness, and who he is, and blessing, all of that stuff Only happens when our lives are conformed to the life. Of Jesus, what you may what you may know about Jesus is that Jesus died on a cross for your sins. Right? That is Jesus one hundred one. That is that is it. He died on a cross so we could live. We don't stand a chance at getting to God on our own. You can't climb a moral ladder. It is only through grace on the cross that we are saved. Saying yes to Jesus, believing in Him and His finished work, is the only way you're saved. Period. What you may not know is saying yes to Jesus is the starting line of our faith. It is not the finish line saying yes to Jesus and getting baptized and coming out of that water is the day it all begins not the day it all ends what do you do after that after we say yes to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit we go about the business of obeying Jesus's teachings conforming our life to his lifestyle through the power of the Holy Spirit with our partnership we are then transformed to be more like Jesus it is still a Work of grace is carried through by the Holy Spirit but it does in fact involve our participation that's what I mean when I say you don't get the life of Jesus all the promise without the life style of Jesus saying yes is just the starting point and then we continue forward By conforming to his image, Uh, we are to be his apprentices. This is why Jesus said all these different phrases, simple things like, follow me, or I am the way. He was saying, I'm not just a teacher. I'm not even just a savior. I am the way. You can follow my example. You can learn from me. You can become like me and through that be shaped into everything you were meant to be. Even in our own verse, take up my yoke is an invitation to take up the teachings of Jesus. And he says, my teachings and the life that I've called you to live is so much more relaxing and refreshing and life-giving than the life that's in this world. You've probably heard Jesus say the words, follow me. That was a literal invitation to his first followers and to us today to be Jesus' apprentices. We would literally, as if you were learning to weld, you would watch a welder and you would learn from him and you would watch how he does it and the things he does and the way he thinks and and the way he acts, that you would apprentice from him to learn how to weld like him. When Jesus says, follow me, he offers us this invitation to walk with him in relationship and be transformed into his image in the process. Time out. My Bible scholars and theologians all have a question in their mind right now. The the appropriate question at this time would be, wait, wait, wait a minute, Matt. Are you telling me I have to do all this Jesus stuff right to be loved by God? Hold on, hold on. What about by grace you are saved through faith, not by works so no man can boast? What about all the stuff about he died for my sins? I could never do it on my own. I'd say all of that is absolutely right and it is true after you receive the gift of salvation. We partner with King Jesus, living into the life that he has for us. Uh, The theologian Dallas Willard said it like this, grace is not opposed to effort supposed to earning the grace of god does not mean i kick my feet up and i wait to get to heaven one day the grace of god means i do not have to do religious things to earn god's love but what do i do after that i partner with king jesus i have a part to play in becoming everything he made me to be tana this is why it is completely possible For me to stand up here for three weeks and read these promises from Jesus, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest, I'm humble, and and my burden is light. It is completely possible for me to read this promise from Jesus and for people here who come to church every single Sunday to go, wait a second, Matt, I don't see that happening in my own life. I don't, how how are you going to talk about Jesus and he's rest and he's easy and His yoke and it's light and I feel more stressed out than everybody that I see in my neighborhood. Not only am I stressed out trying to do all the things that people in my neighborhood do, I got to put the Jesus thing on top of that. I got to be here on Sundays. You guys are telling me to get in a group and now I'm supposed to serve. How is that going to make me more well rested? How does it, how can Jesus claim this? What I would say you don't get life in Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. Particularly four rhythms we see woven through his life, four regular practices Jesus did that we should be doing today that gave him a life that was balanced, purposeful, and restful all at the same time. And so here, here, is, here is why this week matters. This is as close as I can get to giving you a recipe for how to live a whole, purposeful, balanced life in Christ. This is it. We're going to look at four rhythms. We find all of them in Mark's gospel in the first chapter. Now, any bottom line people here, like, just give me the bottom line. Just tell me the importance of it. Anybody like that? Like, Cliff's Notes? Like, I want the bre- this could have been an email, people. That's me. Okay, if that's you, Mark's gospel is for you. He's the bottom line gospel writer. He doesn't even start, he doesn't even do the Jesus, and then there's Mary and Joseph, and there's no room in the end. He's like, hey, the other boys wrote about that. I'm going to just tell you about who Jesus is and give you the important stuff. So Mark chapter one, he shoots the story out of a canon. It, be- it begins with Jesus being baptized, coming up out of the water, going into the t- desert to be tempted. It begins with Jesus healing and preaching the kingdom of God. And so if you were to look at Mark chapter one, it's on, okay? There are crowds following Jesus. Uh, the, everywhere Jesus goes, he's got to lay low because when people find out they're there, whoop, all of a sudden there's 10,000 extra people in town. So that's where we find Jesus in Mark chapter one. He's like, let me tell you what's going on. Going on. And so then Jesus goes to Simon Peter's house, heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and then they're hanging out at the house. Well, someone spills the beans. Somebody was there, and then they go out and run to the 7-Eleven, and they're like, You guys are not gonna believe what just happened at Simon Peter's house. And it's like that small-town rumor mill begins to spin, and before you know it, all of a sudden, there's thousands of people. You would see a little house on a hill with tons of people with disease and brokenness and paralytics and blind people and people with sores on their bodies, uh, people with different disabilities and mental handicaps surrounding this house. People from, from all over the countryside bring their ill family members in to be healed and and touched by Jesus. And so it says in Mark that he stays up all the way into the late hours of the night healing people and preaching the kingdom of God. But then when you get to verse 35, you begin to see something unusual take place in Jesus' life. Mark 1, 35, it says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place, that's worth underlining, where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, there are four specific rhythms that we see from Jesus's life that can all be found in this passage okay I like to draw my note-taking kinetic learners this is for you Uh, you can sketch it on your phone Um, if you didn't know this we have journals free journals for you that are out there at the info center every single week all we ask is that you use them to take Jesus notes and not make grocery lists okay so those are for you And, and so we're gonna draw and we're gonna look at these four rhythms together okay first rhythm from Jesus that you have to get is simply this. It is rest. R-E-S-T. Okay, you guys are going to learn the secret about my horrible handwriting. We see Jesus rest. Over and over and over we see Jesus rest. The first verse in our little section of Scripture today is very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Jesus knew how to rest. He knew how to get some me time or some me and God time. He, he knew, he is the OG of self-care. Keyword word in self-care, it is only valid when you're using self-care to fuel you to take care of other people. But he got a way to rest. And over and over and over again, we see Jesus, if you were to watch his life and study him, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would see him constantly breaking away to rest. In Mark, we would see him get away and rest. Um, in Matthew, uh, we would see him laying down in a boat. Remember the one in the storm? There was, they were traveling on a boat, and then there was a big storm, and then they find out that Jesus is sleeping down in the hole of the boat, which means a power nap is a very spiritual thing, and that should not be argued with over and over and over. This is uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross. He just wants to get away. He wants to be with his Father and he wants to rest. And I've been telling you guys this. This is this whole series. You need Sabbath. You need rhythm. You need play. You need delight. You are a human being, not a human doing. And so you should have regular times in your life where you can rest and be refilled. If you ever wanted to do an incredible Bible study, there's this word in the scriptures called "Aramos Place." Uh, when 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 it says that Jesus went off to a solitary place, that word there just doesn't mean he was alone. It means it was still. It means there was space. My family and I, I can tell you like this, we finally got out to see the new Spider-Man movie. We did our, hey, we're Sabbathing on Friday. We picked up the kids from school. We're like, surprise, Spider-Man. How awesome are your parents? And so we took them to see Spider-Man. And, and y'all see Spider-Man? Give me a nod. So, okay, all right, we, this will end. Okay, you got me. And do you remember the scene where the, the newest Peter Parker, it, it, they can't find him? Oh, 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 oh. Spoiler? Oh, I'm about to spoil the whole thing. All right, hey, this is your chance. I'm going to ruin this movie for you. Okay, okay. Let me back up. Let me back up. (laughs) Suffice it to say that in Spider-Man, there are often scenes where you would see Spider-Man having climbed up to the top of a building so he could get away from the mess and the work and the complications, and just be. Can you picture it? That's an Aramos place. You would be shocked to see how many times in Scripture we see Jesus just break away from the crowds, from the hurry, and the expectation, and get to the Aramos place. It's over and over and over. Here's why this is important. Rhythms of rest keep my soul joyful and help me see the world as it really is. Rhythms of rest keep my soul joyful and help me see the world as it really is. You need rest because it guards your joy. You need rest because we live in a complicated world with high expectations and it will wear you down in a hurry. You ever notice how easy it is to get mad at somebody when you're tired? Like mad and tired, go. Like you don't have to work at getting mad when you're tired. You can be tired and somebody says, oh good morning, hey I made some coffee. But if they say it with the wrong look on their face, you're ready to punch them in the nose. You need rest to guard your joy. If you're out there running after Jesus and making family happy and pursuing your calling and being everything you were made to be, that will wear you out. And it is rest that will guard your joy. It additionally, here's what else it does. It helps you see things as they really are. I was talking, y'all remember J.K. Jones, my mentor, he came and he preached in November. It was incredible. He's, he's okay, for J. Y'all don't do that for me ever. I, uh, he's mentoring me this year. We're call, I call him on the phone, and we talk through some things. And, and, and undoubtedly, there is one challenge in our household right now, and it's like, how the heck do we do this all? We got church. We, we love being a part of church and leading church. Britt's now in an NP program on top of working. The kids, Lucy's just getting her butt kicked by fourth grade. There's so much going on. There's homework. There's extracurricular activities now. How do you get dinner on that? And I remember talking to him in our last phone call. I was like, JK, how do we do this? And he goes, I have no idea. But I will tell you, this is why you need to get away and rest regularly. He said, Matt, if you don't get away, all of this stuff is going to seem so much bigger than it really is. Without time in that Aramos place, without time away from it all, little things seem so much bigger. And he's right. I got this picture of the front of my house. And this is our place, and, and you probably see a nice little suburban home here in Chula Vista and, and a cute little van in the driveway, and, and it just looks like a wonderful place. But right now, here's what I see. I see that the gophers keep coming back and there's a little trail of dirt that goes right through the middle of the lawn. And, and we live at the end of the cul-de-sac and there's nothing next to us but a bunch of bushes and then gophers burrow under so every day you come home there's a new pile of dirt that you gotta kick over in the middle of the grass. And, and you probably see this cute little landscaping, but I see, look at the three bushes in the front. Does anything look weird about those three bushes to you? I see that I worked really hard one summer and I dug those holes and dug out old ones and I had to plant them, and I remember being so hot and tired, I literally stood up and got dizzy, had to take a knee. And and then I learned that the sun comes across the house, you guessed it, from left to, or from right to left and so the first bush is getting plenty of sunlight the second bush is getting a little less sunlight and the third bush is gone and then we don't have a yard guy I am the yard guy and so everybody else's driveway has those little grass things like I got grass in my driveway and nobody else has grass in their driveway and if I don't want grass in my driveway I gotta get out there and convince the kids that we're collecting grass today and it drives me nuts But when I get away, it's not such a big deal. We had to go away in de- December, and I remember, like, oh my gosh, look, look at this house. This is our house. I saw the gopher. We fist bumped on the way. I, like, I miss you, bro. Come on. How you been? Okay, how's the family? And, and it's a good life. We live an amazing life. But when I'm tired, weird things start happening to me, and that's why I need rest. Here's your next rhythm. You need rest and you need prayer. And, and I use prayer to so say you need time in God's Word. You need a devotional life. Time worshiping. Time in His Word. I'm telling you guys, if this is the only time you hear the Bible during the week, you're going to starve to death. You need to open up your scriptures. You need to sit there in that quiet place and say, Jesus, what do you want to tell me? How can I serve you? What do you have for me? You you need those holy habits, as JK would call them. The church is good. Sermons are good. Listening to podcasts is good. You need those things to keep you afloat. Um, This is Mark. That's our passage that we're looking at. But if you look at Mark 4.38, Jesus, boom, goes right back to a time of prayer. You would go right through Mark's Gospel. Mark mentions 14 times that Jesus gets away to pray in 21 chapters. More than oh, more than once per chapter, you see Jesus just running away to pray and, and to hear the voice of God. Uh, you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane right before the cross. What do we find Jesus doing? He's spending time in prayer. Now, I'm, I'm no genius, but here's what I'm going to say. If Jesus needed time in prayer and in the Word, I do too. King of the universe came down, put on skin, and realized you can't make it without praying, and you can't make it without Scripture, then I can't make it without praying, and I can't make it without Scripture. Here, here's the deal with prayer. Prayer keeps me calm in the chaos and centers my soul. Prayer keeps me calm in the chaos and centers my soul. I don't even think I have to waste my breath talking about chaos. I think you can go outside, you turn on the news, you listen to the conversation at your workplace, and know we are smack dab in the middle of chaos right now. Things are not how they're supposed to be. And therefore, we should be praying more than ever. You want to hint, if you're taking notes, just jot down Psalm 91. Oh, I love these words. This is a picture of getting away to be with God. Uh, David were right? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's like the, the person who escapes into the loving care of God, the, the one who hides away with God and prays, shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Do you know that literally means epidemic He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not Come near you. Listen to Scripture saying you need time with God. You need time in His Word. You are made to dwell in a secret place with the Lord your God so He can strengthen your soul. Let's talk about soul for a minute. It keeps you calm in the chaos and it centers your soul. You'll notice something interesting about Jesus and his life and the crowds and what he went through, it was, it was like almost every single time the crowds got big, Jesus would run for it. When the crowds gathered around and, and people were around Jesus, and, and they're like, Yeah, more here. Hey, can you can you fix this up a meal? We saw what you did over there. And hey, Jesus, I got this cousin, he's got this thing going. Maybe you could be a part of his thing. And as soon as the crowds would grow big, boom, Jesus would escape and he would get away and he would pray. And the craziest thing would happen. He would come back from his time of prayer with new confidence in who God had made him to be and what God had called him. To do. This is in our Mark passage. I read this to you once. Listen to this. The disciples, they go and find Jesus and they go, Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Isn't it interesting that when the crowd and the noise and the expectations would grow, Jesus would get out of there, he would spend time with God, and he would walk out of that time with God with new clarity about his identity and his purpose? Momentum, can I remind you that there is a whole world out there who has a plan for your life? They've got expectations for you. They got places they want you to be. They got things they want you to do. They got things they want you to buy, things you're supposed to believe in, things they're telling you you could never do in a million years. They got a plan for your kids. They got a plan for who you should be. They got voices saying, This is the only thing that you're supposed to do with your life. And you need time in the secret place with God where He can say, You belong to me. You matter to me. I've got a plan for you and a purpose for you. You need time in the secret place, in his embrace, being reminded of your true identity. And I come back and I go, if Jesus couldn't make it through this life without that, how could you? You need prayer. Number four, you need community. You need community. Jesus spent time with friends. They would get away together. They would celebrate Matthew 26 feasts together. John 13, we hear John say over and over and over when he refers to himself in his account in the book of John, John refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved. Not that one who did a lot for Jesus. Not Jesus's top achiever. The one who Jesus loved. John 21, Jesus dies on a cross. Winning the opportunity for salvation for all of humanity. He shows back up in resurrected form. And of all of the places he could be, he wants to be on the beach eating fried fish with his bros. I like that in a savior. He needed community of all the things in the world he could have been up to that morning. He wanted breakfast on the beach with his friends. He needed community. This also shows us that brunch is a spiritual discipline, and I intend to celebrate it. Community makes the good parts of life better, the hard parts of life easier, and keeps my faith from being self-focused. Chips and salsa tastes better with a group of friends around the table. Fresh baked cookies taste better with a living room full of friends who are gonna eat them with you. Cancer is more survivable when you have good friends in your life. Divorce, betrayal, hurt, job loss. You need some friends. The, these friends keep you from becoming self-focused in your faith. Could you go to that picture for me, Luke? This is a momentum throwback. I borrowed it from Ben and Kat last time. This is this, this, is this National Geographic toy, and they give you a handful of these chunky, gross-looking rocks, but then you put them in that container, And it spins for like weeks. You spin these junky old rocks in this container. And as they're in there together, they're tumbling and they're smashing into each other. But the craziest thing happens as they collide and as they brush up against one another. As they're in that space together, all the rough edges are knocked off. And all of a sudden, once these rough edges are knocked off, these rocks are smooth. But they don't stop there. They continue to polish one another. And out comes, two weeks later, these beautiful gemstones. That's God's plan for community. You need people in your life, other than you. You need people with different perspectives and backgrounds and ideas. We're in a time in our culture where everyone's running to an echo chamber. You know what that means? It means everybody is running into little pockets of people who look like them, believe like them, think like them, and act like them. And as a church, we are called to be different. If you want your faith to make it through 22, I suggest running into the life of some other believers who are different than you. You need to get in there with people who can knock off your rough edges, ask you good questions, love you in Jesus' name, and go, you know what? We disagree, but Jesus is bigger than both of our tiny little opinions. You need community. And then finally, you need working slash ministry. Jesus, uh, w- Jesus would say, I've glorified the Father by doing the work he's called me to do. He'd say, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He'd say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me so I can preach good news to captives. Jesus knew that there was a specific work he was called to do with his life. You need this because, I'll explain it like this, every Jesus follower has a calling to ministry or sorry, has a calling and a call to ministry. Every Jesus follower has a calling and a call to ministry. What do I mean by that? I mean, you have a calling. That is Ephesians 2.10. You are a handiwork of God. He handcrafted you for a specific work here on earth you are supposed to do with your life. He fine-tuned the details of who you are for a specific purpose here on earth. And in addition to that, you also have a call to ministry. Every Jesus follower is called to ministry. When you would get into the letters like Romans or Philippians or 1 Corinthians, you would see that every single Christian is given gifts from the Holy Spirit that are meant to be shared with the rest of the faith community. There's things you can do that I could never do. There's gifts you have that I'll never possess. And they were made to be shared with the church. And I'll tell you why this matters. Work in ministry gives my life purpose and keeps my faith growing. You need work and you need ministry to bring purpose to your life. And I'll tell you something, when you switch, when you switch your thinking and begin to think of your work here on earth as your calling, As a work that God made for you to do with your life, and it's not just collecting a check, all of a sudden, that work fills with purpose and becomes so much more meaningful. And when you step into ministry, it changes things. Things change. Things change when you put on a blue shirt and you teach the kids in that room the gospel. Things change when you disciple a student and say, I'm going to take spiritual responsibility for this child and guide them and grow them and train them and teach them. Things change when you see all of this stuff, all the blue shirt work and all the things that you do. When you start to see that as a holy privilege extended to you from Jesus Christ, your creator and Lord, your faith changes. Just about everything else in your life does as well. Here's the deal. You need this. This is how you are made to live. Next note, Luke, here, here, here's some conclusions. You need all four rhythms in balanced measure to live an abundant life in Jesus. You want John 10.10 10. I've come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. You want the fruit and the love and the rest and the peace and the goodness of Jesus in your day to day life. You need all four in balanced rhythm. You need rest. You need community. You need purpose. You need prayer. And I'll tell you something here's what we have to avoid. See, things get busy, we get tired. And our instinct is not, hmm, which one of these medicines am I missing? When we get tired, we get a little worn down. We don't go, geez, I need some, I need to be with God. No, what do we do instead? We withdraw. And I've seen it so many times. Here's in church life. Man, I've been, hey, pastor, I've been doing church, and we're just, we got a lot going on in this season. And so, hey, I, I don't really think I can jump into ministry right now. And, and that group I was, hey, we, we just need to, we're going to have a season of rest. And, and don't worry, hey, don't worry about us. We're going to be reading our Bibles. We're going to be praying. But we just need to open up a spot on the calendar. But can I tell you something? Here's the problem. That is not balanced. If if this were if this were on a seesaw and and you moved and you took these two important things out of your life and you just sat over here you would fall over and your faith will fall over I've seen it happen before like this Um, oh my gosh we got a lot going on And, and you know what like come on like. I I put in my time, my kids are, we raised our kids in church, they've all said yes to Jesus. We're going to dial it back a little bit and just kind of rest and be with our friends. You know what? We all have the same hobbies, and so on the weekends, we'll be with our friends on the weekends, and we'll be doing what we like to do. And didn't the Bible say, like, do everything for the glory of God? And so we'll be okay. Can I tell you something? That never ends up working because you weren't made to take a buffet set of options from the life of Jesus. You take only rest and community, you put them together, you have a recipe for apathy. And a day will come where you go numb, you don't care anymore, and you'll feel justified in it. You need all four in balance. measure. Here's what else I'll tell you. Most people underestimate how much rest and prayer it takes to fulfill their calling. The longer I do this, the more I find people vastly underestimate the rest and the prayer required to be everything they were made to be. What I think has happened is we live in a culture that has accepted low grade levels of burnout for normal living. So we walk around with bags under our eyes, late everywhere we're supposed to be, apologizing all the time, not wanting to be at anything. And we call that making it. And you guys, as your pastor, I just want to tell you, your life is far too important to live like that. You probably need more rest and more prayer, more time with God than you could ever imagine. I was counseling this couple not too long ago and, and married couple at each other's throats, just can't stand each other anymore. Tell me about your life. Tell me what's going on. How did you get to this place? And, and it was obvious that this, these two people loved each other. They adored one another. But their busy life had crushed them. They got children with special needs that they had to tend to. Big high purpose leadership jobs for both of them, and they were just getting eaten for breakfast. And I was like, "You guys, you have an unusual life. Do you take unusual amounts of vacation?" No, no, we can't do that. We, got, I mean, we got this thing going on. If we don't miss and it, miss them, it, it. well, hang on, hang on, time out. You get that your life is insane, right? Yeah. Well, don't you think it might require an insane amount of prayer and rest to sustain that? Oh, we can't. I mean, they're in a hurry. and This is so busy and we got things and if we slow down, then this is like, it's like, no. Come on, if you were sitting with that couple, what would you tell them to do? Rest. Pray. Be filled. You get that for them, but do you get it for you? Last one. Band, you guys, come up. I'm going to get out of here. Last one. You'll never grow out of your need for the four rhythms of Jesus. You're not going to age out of your need for community and authentic Jesus-centered friendships. You're not going to age out of your call to ministry or your need for prayer and rest. And I tell you that to tell you, in the Momentum family, week in and week out, you sit amongst heroes. You sit amongst Ann and Mike. Not to embarrass you, but 70 and 71, still serving Jesus in their day, fed by the word regularly, loving the church community and living lives of purpose. You sit amongst giants like Keith Goosby. 67 years young. We relaunched, replanted, re-whatever, do you want to call this? Our top need was Kid City Volunteers. Retired Force Master Chief, 67 years old, grandbabies and the like. Hey, Keith, um, I don't know how to ask you this, but for this thing to happen, we need people to disciple our children. He said, Sign me up. And he is there right now, discipling our children. And I'll tell you why you never grow out of this. Because this is Jesus. He is your creator. He is your sustainer. He is your savior. And you were made for him. Nothing will ever change that. And that's why this matters. So I'll have you guys stand... We're going to sing one last song and we'll be done together today.